Hey everybody, it's Jason. Welcome or welcome back to the Mosaic Church Podcast. At the end of this podcast, please take a moment to connect with us on social media. It's a great place to learn more and to see what's happening at Mosaic. Most importantly, hope the following message encourages and inspires you to take a new step on your faith journey. Enjoy. Well, good morning, Mosaic family. It is uh, great to be here with you this morning as Jason shared, my name is, not Jason, as Nick shared, my name is Ryan, and uh, I've known Jason a little bit longer, but it's been great to get to know both of them over the course of the last couple years, and at least be on the ground of hearing what God was birthing the vision in their hearts. So I'm honored to be here with you this morning. Now, I want to tell you the real reason, though, that Jason invited me to speak. Back in 2004, I finished seminary, and my wife and I moved up to inner city Milwaukee to attempt to plant a church. And can anyone guess what the name was? Mosaic. And our vision was to love God, love each other, and love our neighbor. Sounds kind of familiar, doesn't it? Right? But um, in 2009, we moved up from 36th and National, so near Southside. If you know the, what's the Menominee Valley there, right by, uh, it used to be the big manufacturing plant. I forget the name of it. Um, makes the huge miners. Uh, but we moved up from 36 and National to Jackson, Wisconsin. And I remember when we were doing our home inspection, I looked out my kitchen window and I saw my neighbor with a deer strung up with a chain quartering it out. And I'm like, well, I'm not in inner city Milwaukee anymore. But I've been a pastor at Kettlebrook since 2009 at the Jackson site and pastor of missional living for about five years. If you could put up that picture, Ethan. This is my family. Uh, looks a little grainy here, but we're grainy. So that's myself. On the right is my son, Ben. Ben has just turned 14, and he's into soccer, and I've been privileged to be able to coach him since he was four years old, and uh, we're just, we're kind of buds. It's fun to be able to do that. Uh, my wife of almost 22 years this June, right? I have to take my kids with, or, and to have a beard so they think that I'm old enough, but my wife of 22 years, Libby, um, and she's amazing. She is a better servant example of Jesus than I am. Uh, and then my daughter, who just turned 15 and a half, so February 3rd, she got her driver's permit. So that's been kind of fun, teaching her how to drive. It's crazy. It goes quick. Um, and she wants to be a lawyer, and she gets plenty of practice at home debating us. <laughs> so Right? Yeah. Amen. That's the biggest amen I'm going to get this morning. Jason asked me to come and share about what God is up to in Washington County, what God is doing through Kettlebrook Church and living every day on mission to seek to make disciples. So to introduce this topic, I'm going to show a couple of images and I'm going to have you interact with me, okay? First image, please. Someone tell me what this is. Yes, these are not trick questions. So <laughs> this is the microwave. This is the microwave. What's the purpose of a microwave? Radiate. Radiate, yeah, to heat things up, right? My son put a cell phone charger in there. That heated things up in a wrong way when he was little. But this heats up food and other things. Okay, next image. That wasn't recent. He's 14. He was little. What is this? Baseball glove. What's the purpose of this? To catch a ball. Yeah. How about next? What's this? Bratwurst. What's the purpose of bratwurst? To eat them to make us happy, right? I remember we spent four years, when I was going to grad school, we spent four years in Dallas, and could you believe that they didn't know what these were? I was like, can you even love Jesus? I don't know if it's possible. <laughs> okay, next image, please. What's this? 
Pinterest. What's the purpose of Pinterest? Share things, ideas. Yeah, I mean, kind of, but the real purpose of Pinterest is to make you feel like you're not as good as other people and their <laughs> ideas. Last one. Please. Followers of Jesus. What's their purpose? Share the love and forgiveness of God. Yes, yeah, spread the gospel. Yeah, to, to maybe we could say to make disciples, to live every day on mission, make disciples. What if I told you that the purpose, the reason that we are still here on earth is because Jesus has not yet returned. The reason he hasn't is because there are millions upon millions upon millions of people who still don't know and worship him. Amen. This is the singular reason that we are still here. This is the only thing that won't be able to happen once he returns and establishes his eternal kingdom. At the end of the book of Matthew, Jesus gives us our purpose in this familiar passage called the Great Commission. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Many of you have known this passage. It's called the Great Commission. It's basically Jesus' final marching orders before he leaves to be with the Father again. Mosaic, nothing's changed. Over 2,000 years, this is still our purpose. This is still why we're here. If you were to look at your website, uh, you would say that your mission is to make, mature, and multiply disciples. And if you do that, what that will look like, your vision is you're going to love God, you're going to love each other, and you're going to love everywhere, igniting a radical movement of love in Washington County and the world. It's saying the same thing, just with different words. Here's what I've found, though, Mosaic, is that most, for most people who have grown up with some sort of Christian background, it's a little intimidating to actually do it. Right? Spend time with people who don't follow Jesus. Talk about Jesus. Consistently love and serve those who don't follow Jesus. Build friendships with those who don't follow Jesus. Whether it be at work, in school, in our, in our classrooms, in our neighborhoods, on our sports teams, or in our affinity groups, Those who follow Jesus are often intimidated by the thought of specifically talking about the good news of Jesus with others and and helping them follow Jesus, maybe being disciple-making disciples. And maybe some of the barriers to living on mission and making disciples that I'm going to talk about here, maybe you've experienced some of those. What if they ask me something I don't know how to answer? You might have felt that before. What if they think I'm weird for talking about Jesus? You might have felt that before. What if they treat me differently because I follow Jesus? So my life is different, kind of light and darkness, and they they treat me differently. What if I don't know how because no one's ever shown me how? It's pretty hard to do something we've never had someone do with us, right? What if I need to sacrifice some of my own time in order to live on mission? It's costly. Next. What if I don't have relationships with people who don't follow Jesus? This is something that I find a lot for those of us who follow Jesus. We don't have a lot of friendships with those who don't follow Jesus. Do I have one more, Ethan? That's it. Okay. So, but I have to believe that Jesus' first disciples felt some of these things. I mean, when they began following Jesus, there was so much unknown. There was so much yet to learn. How in three years did they get to the point 
of not knowing anything to the point where they were making disciples of all nations. Well, that's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about living on mission every day and making disciples, but I want to look at, too, the process of how they get there. So let's turn to Mark, Mark chapter 1. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said, the kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I'll make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and they followed him. When he'd gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. And without delay, he called them and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and they followed him. Now, we could look at this and think this is the first time that these men who followed Jesus had seen him or knew of him. That's probably not the case. They probably knew of him. They knew the miracles he'd done. They knew that he taught with a different authority as the scriptures had said, yet it's pretty amazing that it says immediately they left and followed him, right? Even if they knew of him, they immediately left and they followed him. And I want to focus on three things from the passage that we just read that kind of, I think, is a process of going from just beginning to becoming fishers of men. And this isn't original to me. You're going through these growth groups, Saturate and Gospel Fluency, which are authored by Jeff Vanderstelt. And I believe I first heard him talk about this sequence. But if you could put up that next slide, Ethan. Jesus says, first, come follow me. Then second, he says, I will make you. And third, he says, fishers of men. Notice number three, fishers of men. Doesn't that sound a lot like living on mission, like making disciples, like the purpose that you talked about while we're still here on earth? How do Peter and Andrew, though, how do we, for that matter, get from where we're just starting out to being fishers of men. It starts with that first point. Come follow me. It starts with come follow me. Deciding to follow Jesus. That's the beginning. And our, our staff and our elders were reading this book called The Master Plan of Evangelism. It was written in the 60s, so it's older, so to speak, uh, for a book. It's not new by Robert Coleman, but it's great. And look at what he has to say about this come follow me. He says, having called his men, Jesus made a practice of being with them, of being with them. This was the essence of his training program, just letting his disciples follow him. When one stops to think of it, this was an incredibly simple way of doing it. Jesus had no formal school, no seminaries, no outlined course of study, no periodic membership classes in which he enrolled his followers. None of these highly organized procedures considered so necessary today entered into his ministry. Amazing as it may seem, all Jesus did to teach these men his way was to draw them close to himself. He was his own school and curriculum. He was his own school and curriculum. And I don't know about you, but that's encouraging to me. See, raise your hand if you've been to seminary. That's what I expected. And that's more hands than I expected, maybe, right? I have been. But you know what? I went to seminary, and I came out. And this isn't seminary's fault. This is mine. But I knew more about Jesus and probably loved him less. If only following Jesus was good enough for Peter and James and John and Andrew and the original disciples in order to change the world and ignite the beginnings of what you hope to be a part of, a radical love in your community and the world, if it was good enough for these original disciples only following Jesus, wouldn't you think it would be good enough for us too? I think it would be. 
every single one of you, each in your own unique ways, in your unique neighborhoods, your unique sports teams, your unique classes, your unique affinity groups, each of you can be used by God to intentionally live on mission, intentionally be a disciple, a follower who makes other disciples or followers. All you need to do is according to that what? Follow Jesus. Come follow Jesus. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazingly simple? What do you think that means? What do you think it means to follow Jesus? What did it mean for them to follow Jesus? Interact with me. Okay, yeah, they, they, they left, right? They sacrificed and they left. Okay, yeah, there's sacrifice. What else? There's proximity. They were always, that's what you taught, personally. Yeah, yeah. They lived with them, right? It was like a three-year apprenticeship, if we think about the trades. Yeah, what else? They left their family. Yeah, don't hear me say leave your family, okay? <laughs> but they left their family. What else? They listened and observed him. Yeah. They, yeah, they didn't just talk about it. They didn't just theorize. They, they put it into practice, right? They learned by doing, which is a huge, important point of a follower of Jesus. What I'd like to do, Mosaic, for the rest of our time together, Jason said I have two hours, so for the rest of my time, <laughs> what I want to do is I want to try and share a little bit of my story, the, the story of some Kettlebrook family members, too, to kind of hopefully demystify this idea of living on mission and making disciples, okay? So remember, point one is come follow Jesus. Back in 2015, this is like six years ago, God gave me this idea uh, out of the blue, and it was maybe a weird idea at first, but uh, God was like, Ryan, what I want you to do is I want you to start a bags night for guys who are not currently connected to a church who are not actively following Jesus. Do you know what I mean by bags? Cornhole, bean bag, incredibly fun, right? But he said, I want you to start a bags night. And so I was like, are you sure? <laughs> but I went ahead and I did it. And so since you guys love Jesus, you're going to have to listen to me after I tell you what I tell you next. I'm a Vikings fan. But you guys, love covers a multitude of sins. So I'm a Vikings fan. And so being a Vikings fan, I wanted to make a Vikings bag set. If you're a fan, right? If you're a Packer fan, it would make complete sense to do that, right? So I went to my wife, who's a Packers fan. And I said, I want to make, uh, God put this on my heart and I want to make these boards and they're going to be Vikings boards. She's like, well, that's a stupid idea. You're the only Vikings fan in the family. <laughs> my wife is super sweet. So for her to say that, it was kind of funny, right? But I got my son back. I took him to a game at U.S. Bank Stadium. So I have two in the family. But anyways, I, I compromised, and here's what I built. Right? There we go. I compromised. So I've got a, a, a Green Bay and a Vikings. But it's really not about the boards. The point is the intent of why I built them. Can you put up that next picture? So uh, this is my friend Dave. And before this bags night, I didn't know Dave. He lived about a half mile away from me, and he was in invited by another friend of mine, but we hit it off right away. And you guys know the type of people who you meet and you just connect and you just click. It doesn't happen with everybody, but it does happen with some. That's what it was like for me and Dave. We both like sports a lot. Uh, we both like to use sarcasm in our humor, which can get you in trouble, but we hit it off quickly. And over the course of several months, we formed a pretty good friendship. 
And over the course of these initial months, I, I could be misremembering, but I don't think I shared at all about Jesus. I don't think anything. And for some of you, that might be like, why? That's surprising, right? No, I didn't say I wasn't intentional. Uh, I was treating Dave as I would anyone who I'd want to build a friendship with. I was asking a lot of questions, and I was listening very well to know what would be relevant from the good news of Jesus to Dave's story. Right? If we want to love people well, if we want to um, make disciples and live on mission, we, we need to know where the gospel applies to someone's life, to know their story, to know their past hurts, their regrets, and their, their hopes and their dreams. And I listened and I took mental notes because I cared about Dave. And Mosaic, I want to I say something that might sound weird, but if we as followers of Jesus loved people well by simply being the best listener in people's lives and asking great questions, we'd never lack opportunity to share about Jesus. Let me state that again. If we as followers of Jesus loved people well by simply being the best listener and asking the best questions, we'd never lack opportunity to share about Jesus. How many of you, without knowing the Bible backward and forward, which it is good to know the Bible, but without even knowing it backward and forward, could learn to listen well. Could learn, yeah, could learn to ask good questions that unearth a person's story. Could learn, we're talking gospel fluency, growth group number two, to apply the good news of Jesus to someone's life by knowing their story. I, I think all of us could do it. And we don't need to have gone to seminary. We don't need to have whatever. We just need to listen to God, listen to a person. I never invited Dave to our Sunday morning gathering either. That might sound weird to you too. I never invited him to our gathering. And, but the point was, though, I wanted Dave to be drawn towards Jesus, not Kettlebrook. Not that they're mutually exclusive, but one's definitely more important. And it's Jesus, in case you didn't know. <laughs> and so I remember this picture that you're, you're seeing. This is every year we had a pumpkin carving party. And this was at one of them. This was years ago. And um, I look 12 because you have to shave your beard because in the 50s, you don't have a beard. And my daughter's like, please never do that again. <laughs> but at one of these parties, Dave asked me about Kettlebrook in our gathering. And, and we talked about it, and I told him about it, and I wasn't shy about it. But again, my goal was to point Dave to Jesus, not to Kettlebrook. And he and his family eventually did engage with a Sunday morning gathering. Um, but because I think he met me and he met the true essence of Kettlebrook, which is the people, before he ever engaged with the gathering. The first ask that I had for Dave uh, personally was to be a part of this smaller discipleship group that we were starting. And these were pretty simple. We would meet every other week together, and outside of time, we'd read the same kind of passage of Scripture. Inside time, we'd talk about how God was speaking to us in that, we'd pray for each other. We'd encourage one another. We'd try and be in each other's lives outside of that time. And I remember during this, everyone shared their story. I heard that you guys are doing that in some of your groups. Everyone shared their story. And I remember when Dave shared his story, how powerful it was just to go through that process in a safe space where he knew people would love him and point him to Jesus. See, he grew up in the church, but because of some pretty huge hypocrisy, he had kind of written God off. But God, through friendship, 
with others of Jesus, not just me, but others too, was initiating this transformation process, and it was powerful. He was beginning to follow Jesus anew. His heart was now opening to God changing him. Mosaic, so many of our, our classmates and our, our neighbors and our, our co-workers and our family members and our friends, they're, they're hung up on quote-unquote church, past experience, past wounds, and probably even false perceptions. But what if we kept church out of it in our minds and just tried to point people to Jesus and left the church stuff up to him? I think we'd see a lot of people begin following Jesus. So as people begin following Jesus, as they come follow him, the next point on that, Ethan, if you could put up, he says, I will make you. I will make you. This is vital to understand in my mind. Who's the I in the statement, I will make you? Who's that speaking about? It's speaking about Jesus, right? He's the one who changes us. We can't change ourselves. At least I don't believe we can. The Holy Spirit's got to do the changing. Jesus does the changing through the Holy Spirit. But if we open our hearts to following Jesus, he's going to make us new. He's going to change our hearts and our, our desires in sight of all our failings, all our shortcomings, all the ways we're lacking, because it's not about us. It's about him. Amen? As he changes us, we can show the world what he is like. Someone tell me how long Jesus' original disciples followed him. Three years. Three years, okay. And did they have it all figured out at the beginning? No. Did they have it all figured out at the end? No. Right? Peter, you're the Messiah. Deny you, deny you, deny you. It gives me comfort because I don't have it all figured out. But as we're living on mission to make disciples, it's vital to understand it's Jesus through the Holy Spirit that makes us into someone we previously were not. It's a process. And in that process, God even uses our failures. Um, back early January, my wife got COVID, and we were quarantined for 22 days. Yeah, 22 days quarantine, right? But so just to get out of the house, to get some exercise, I, I would take a lunchtime walk around Hickory Park in Jackson. Nick and I live probably, what, quarter mile away from each other? Um, we need to go to each other's homes yet. But uh, <laughs> so I'm walking around Hickory Park, and uh, I'm praying too, because I figure if I'm going to get some exercise, I might as well pray for Jackson. And all of a sudden, this, this random woman, I see her kind of looking around on the ground, things like that. And, and I pass her, and she's like, have you seen my glasses? Have you seen any glasses? I'm like, that's kind of weird. I'm like, no. And I just keep going, right? And as I'm walking past, I... I feel like the Holy Spirit tells me, you should go pray for her. I'm like, I don't want to go pray for her. She's going to think I'm crazy. Some random dude come up and say, can I pray for you? So here's the kicker, guys. I didn't do it. I said, no. So God, through the Holy Spirit, told me to do something, and I said no. And that's not good, by the way. But God is so ridiculously gracious that he even uses our failures to make us more like him. And I said, God, the next opportunity that comes up, I'm not going to respond that way. I'm sorry. In order to live on mission and, and make disciples, we don't need to know it all. We don't need to have our character be exactly like Jesus because it never will be until he comes back. We don't need to have a ton of experience. You know what we need to have? A willing and open heart that says, Jesus, I'm going to follow you 
And as I do, make me into someone who I'm not currently. Make me into someone who I'm not currently. Elise and Melissa, they're, they're part of our Kettlebrook family. We have a West Bend site and a Jackson site. They're at a West Bend site. And they were a part for the past three years of something called the missional community. Think small group, but with an outward focus. Um, and so they've been a part of it for three years. And they're trying to have a neighborhood in West Bend called Villa Park. They gather together a group of families to try and love and serve that neighborhood. Um, they would eat meals together with like a billion kids running around. It was like Lord of the Flies, right? But you know what that's like if you have young kids. But they would come together to try and encourage each other spiritually. They'd come together to love and serve their neighborhood. They would come together to pray for their neighbors by name. They did practical things like putting up a park shelter and putting their own money towards things like that to better the neighborhood. They've also met in smaller groups that are men with men and women with women, you know, three to six people. So over the course of those three years, as Elise and Melissa were following Jesus, he was making them into someone different, in a sense. Because just this fall, what they did was they were like, you know what, God's putting on my heart that we need to branch out. We need to multiply out of our smaller discipleship group, but we need to start our own kind of smaller discipleship groups. And so they did, and guess who they invited? They're reaching out to their neighborhood. Guess who they invited? Well, they invited Jesus along too, yeah, right? But they, they invited their neighbors. They invited their neighbors, and guess what happened? A bunch of them said yes. A bunch of them said yes. And I think they said yes, one, because God was working, but two, because these were friendships. These were relationships. This wasn't an ask from a random stranger to a random thing. This was someone who was known. And I was so excited that they stepped out in faith and that God met them where they were at, and then people engaged and are engaging currently. And I guarantee three years ago, they wouldn't have done that. Three years ago, they wouldn't have done that. They wouldn't have been following Jesus and allowing him to make them fishers of people to the point where they would have the courage and the confidence through Christ to step out and do something on our own. Last fall, we interviewed a, a brother in our spiritual family named Mark, and Mark is kind of, was kind of loosely connected with us at that time, but Mark was a firefighter. He'd never been in leadership at any point. Um, he part of groups and things like that, but never, never leadership, never any training, anything, but God put on Mark's heart that he wanted to start a Bible study in, with his firefighter guys. And now, you know, when you think about firefighters, I think of tough, right? A lot of them are big and built like me. That was a joke. <laughs> They're tougher than me. But when I think firefighters, I think tough. And I don't exactly think, man, they're just chomping at the bit to learn about and to follow Jesus. But Mark, well, I'm generalizing. <laughs> it's a hard job. It's a hard job. But Mark felt God put it on his heart, and he threw it out there. And he's begun to meet with those firefighters who are open to that. I just think that's amazing. Praise God. And, um, you know, whether it be Mark or Elise or Melissa, what's happening is God is using them in the context that they find themselves to live on mission and to make disciples. I can tell you about a high schooler who gave his Bible away to a friend, and they're trying to get together and talk about it because he wants to be live on mission and make disciples and has heart for his friend. I can tell you about a middle schooler who just a couple weeks ago had a friend over, and they walked through Mark chapter 1, because this year we're going, our vision is everyone disciple one. And so this middle schooler took it upon himself 
to seek to disciple one of his friends. I could tell you about, I think, a third grader who had a neighbor who moved in across the street and tried to give them her Bible <laughs> because this little girl had a heart to see her come to Jesus. I could tell you about a, a guy a little bit younger than me who's actively been loving his neighbor to the point where he started a group to talk about faith, and then others have joined, and now they meet every week to go deep on what it looks like to follow Jesus. And they're having a blast doing it. And the reason I'm telling you some of these stories is, one, because Jason told me to, and two, because any of us can be used by God to live on mission and to make disciples. It doesn't matter how educated we are. It doesn't matter what our job title is or isn't. It doesn't matter how much money we have. It doesn't matter if you get the best grades in school. I'm not telling you not to try. None of that stuff matters. What matters is your willingness to come follow Jesus and to allow him to make you into someone you weren't. Into someone you weren't. That's the result, the next slide, Ethan. When we do that, when we come and follow Jesus and he makes us into someone we weren't, fishers of men, fishers of women, fishers of people. If you put up that picture of Dave again, please, Ethan. So Dave and I are pretty close now, the kind of close where I don't think of him as a member or a family member at Kettlebrook first, but a friend first. We've been through a lot, great talks, prayers, tears, serving each other, hanging out and over the course of several years. Uh, and it's been my privilege and honor to see God take Dave, who God wasn't even on his mind, and as he followed him, begin to shape and form and mold him to be a different man. A couple years, three years ago or so, I invited him into my then current missional community. So again, small group with outward focus. Um, and for a couple years, we were in that together and then we launched out and started a new missional community. He and my wife and his wife and another couple to try and reach our friends in the sense of to help them actively follow Jesus. At this point, I'm loosely connected with that missional community. Dave and his wife and Max and Jenna are really running point on that. And I'm kind of in the background. You're like, you're lazy. No, <laughs> it's a privilege that they're stepping up and they're taking lead on that. And now I'm almost in a coaching role. Here's my point with all of that. Five years ago, God wasn't even on Dave's radar. Wasn't even on his radar. But as he's seeking to follow him and allow him to change him and make him into someone he wasn't, now he's seeking to be a leader. This isn't Dave's story, though, just it's mine, too. I grew up raised by a single mom. Some of you might be the same. Dad would pop in for a while, maybe even years. Then he would pop out for a while, maybe even years. And because of this, what I found my identity in were sports, relationships, and popularity. You could tell from my physique, obviously sports was number one. But <laughs> I wasn't confident in who I was. And so I found confidence through things that I, I was good at. We grew up in a mainline denomination, but, but God wasn't really on my radar. He wasn't important to me. I was an angry young man seeking love and affirmation in places outside of God. And then I went to college. I heard someone talking about lacrosse. I think that's where Jason is this weekend. I went to UWL. At freshman year, I was still living the co typical college life for someone who didn't follow Jesus. Um, but then I began attending a Bible study at one of the campus ministries. 
begin attending a weekly Bible study. And there's this guy named Tim Grady. And Jesus was like Middle Eastern, right? But if Jesus was Caucasian with red hair, this is who I would envision Jesus looking like. It was Tim Grady. He was this kind of this tough, burly guy, right? And who loved Jesus and, and loved me. And I got to believe that Tim knew that I was leading this like double life yet, but he didn't care. Not that he didn't care, but he loved me anyways. And he invited me to this uh, retreat. They called it fall retreat. Be like a youth group fall or winter retreat, something like that. And I decided to go because I thought there might be cute girls there. And um, if they love Jesus, oh well, that's, yeah, that's fine, right? So I went to that, and it was there that I met God personally. Right? It was there that God rescued me from my former life for living for myself. That's when I became a Christian, stopped living just to party, and God really altered, radically altered me from that day forward. Yep, praise God. And it was Tim Grady who God used as part of that. That was four years ago. Mosaic family, God desires to use all of you together and individually to ignite a movement of radical love that transforms your community and the world. The question is, will you join him? Will you come follow him? Will you allow him to make you into someone you weren't in the past? We allow him to make you into be a fisher of men, a fisher of women, a fisher of people, a person who lives on mission, a disciple who makes disciples. Once again, thank you so much for listening. If you live in Southeast Wisconsin, we'd love to connect with you at our weekend gathering for service time, directions, and to learn more about our vision to ignite a movement of love that transforms our community and the world visit us at mosaicwi.com.